smarter, faster, and crazier. Your hosts Jody Stoffer and Megan Kramer. Hey, Megan! Welcome, welcome! Hello. I'm so excited. We're starting our first podcast together. It's been a while since we've actually seen each other. Us, you working both working been, from home? Yes, it's been a very long while. Too long. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question right out of the gates because this is our first podcast and we're both a little bit excited, but both a little bit nervous. So my number one question for you today is what's the most nerve wracking thing about doing this podcast? Because for me, the reason why we're doing this is because we are committed to be completely transparent, open and honest about money, finance and partially our lives just so people can see that no matter what you're doing in life or who you are or how experienced or what you know, there's still some blunders financially. I mean, between the two of us, we have over 50 years of financial experience. Oh, I don't know, Jody. So you have like 45 making you what, 90? Yeah. So I mean, we'll, we'll go with <laughs> yeah. that because I'm kind and I'll, I'll take that hit. <laughs> so we have all that experience. Both of us have financial planning designations. I've taught financial planning. You work for FP Canada. So I mean, between the two of us, we have a ton of experience, yet we can tell you some stories about money and, you know, having ADHD and anxiety and having all this experience, I can still tell you some money stories. And so we're going to be honest. And for me, I'm pretty private. So this is going to be a bit tough for me to always be honest, but that's why we're doing that. And you tell me like, what's nerve wracking for you? Oh, well, all the above. But yeah, I think the biggest thing is just like you said, putting yourself out there. I think you know, in a day of social media, and you'll find it funny, I'm not on social media. So you won't be finding me on Instagram or Facebook or any of those things. And I think one of the reasons is this whole idea of this perfect life and the pressure that that puts onto people. So I think for me, it's incredibly nerve wracking to think about, okay, so so much for social media and just putting a couple pictures out there. Now I'm just gonna, you know, lay my whole life out there on the line and not my perfect life, but my actual real like, oh my goodness, can you believe I did this? And especially the part two, you know, we're financial professionals, we have designations. But you know, if I'm honest, I still make money mistakes myself. So I think, you know, anytime you're a specialist or an expert in an area and you're still not getting it right, it's a little embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of that story of what do they say? The shoemaker whose kids have no shoes or, you know, the mechanic, the mechanic (laughs) whose car is broken. I mean, that's not us. We have, we're really both very good with our finances, but we have had you know, we still make financial blunders. I personally, so I have this line in the sand, which is like pre-diagnosed and post. And yeah, that line is pretty messy before the line. And you'll hear some of that messiness. We both have really good lives and we have our crap together, but that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that occasionally we don't still have blunders and we go, yeah, we know better than that. Right. So I can't imagine being somebody who's not got as much experience and training as we have beating themselves up about like, yeah, we beat ourselves up and we should because we know better. But for someone who doesn't know, like they're so hard on themselves when our clients come. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And that's why we're doing this is because I'm always like, it's okay. It's just money. It's not who you are. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's such a big thing is there's so much shame around money and around finances. And that's why I think for me, I'm willing to take this leap and I'm willing to put it all out there is because I see my clients daily having the courage to open up to me and, you know, the embarrassment or shame that they feel breaks my heart because I'm like, you don't know this. We're not getting taught this, you know, prior to getting into the financial services industry. Did I know these things? Absolutely not. And so I don't expect people to know. And I think somehow clients just think, well, I've been alive on this planet for 30 years or 50 years or whatever it is. So I should know this stuff. And it's like, well, no, you've been alive for 30 years or 50 years and you don't know how to medically diagnose, you know, all these different diseases and whatever. So why should you know everything about your finances just magically? Yeah, yeah, no, that we yeah, don't. that's a really good point. And, you know, you say like the shame and the guilt. I'm sure you experience this and I experience this with a lot of my, with almost all of my female clients, but also with my couple clients is almost every time the female, like, well, both of them, but it's very emotional. Like people always are saying, I'm sorry, I'm going to cry. And I'm like, don't be sorry, Mm -hmm. but cry if you need to, because you've been holding this in, like, this is your deep, dark secret, right? And now you have Mm -hmm. somebody to let it out to. And it's not that we're like, they're telling us our, their deep, dark counselor secrets. It's their deep, dark money secrets. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's never as bad. Like I've never run a, well, I think maybe one or two clients that I've run across that it's as bad or worse than they think it is. But usually I'm always like, this is not as bad as you think it is. Right. Yeah. You're going to be okay. You just need a plan. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing too, is I think with clients, so many come thinking it's too late, you know, and It's really, it's never too late because there's always an opportunity to figure out a different approach, you know, a different path to take. So I feel pretty confident that we can help 99% of people, you know, maybe there is that odd 1%, this rare situation, but I think for most people, you know, who come to us, there's something that we can do to help them in their situation, maybe not hundred percent fix it, but to make it better for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point because, because we are fee only, meaning we make, we, our clients pay us and they get service and we work only for them. We don't sell them products. So, you know, we don't get paid if we're not helping our clients, you know, year over year. And so that being said, you know, so many clients are out there and they're saying, well, I'm in such a bad place. I can't afford to get good advice Yet, like last night, I said to a client, you can't afford not to get good advice. And it doesn't have to be me. But like, literally, this is easily fixable, or it can be fixed. It's habits, it's, you know, bad decisions that can be cleared up. But honestly, you can't, like, for your future, you can't afford not to get good help. And so I think that's probably part of the the scary part for people is, you know, when they when they're living paycheck to paycheck, how can they justify coming up with these extra funds to to have somebody help them. But, you know, what we both experience is in a very, very short period of time, paying us is the least, like paying us is a no brainer. And I mean, for me personally, because I do the free consultation, we we both do free consultation up front. I, if I, if I can't truly help a client, I don't take them on. I'll tell them, Hey, I'll send you to somebody else, or here's your next step, or I'll give them, you know, you need to talk to a bankruptcy or trustee. I absolutely won't take them on. But if I'm really confident that, you know what, you can afford to pay me, I tell, you know, I'm honest with them. And I say, you can afford to get good advice. It's just a matter of whether you want to make the changes to do so. So. 
Absolutely. And I think you bring up a good point too, Jody. We're both of the mindset that it doesn't have to be us. You know, and if a client were to come to me and even if they can't afford it, but we're not connecting, I can tell that, you know, we have different philosophies and outlooks on life and that I'm probably not going to resonate with them. Then I'm going to recommend that they see someone else, not that they work with me because it's not going to provide the same value. And I think that's why you know, you and I, well, when I was going to join Parallax, you gave me the biggest homework I think maybe I've ever received. Megan, I need to know what your niche is. And it was so difficult. I thought, okay, well, Jody, I just want to help everyone. Like, I'm just going to help anyone who walks through my door. Why do I need to narrow this down for you? And after going through the exercise, and it took me, I couldn't even figure it out on my own. You know, I had to talk to my husband, my friends, my family to say, what would a good niche for me? Where does this fit? And what I realized is that it really all comes back to values. And can I help someone who doesn't have the same values or doesn't want the exact same things out of life as me? Absolutely, I can. But it's from more of a a mathematical place or a rule of thumb place or a general, yeah, if you do this, you know, so absolutely, I can help you improve your situation. But what I realized is the clients who I really help and who really get excited and I really motivate are the ones who we just share some really common values. And so, you know, going through that exercise, actually, it it brought a lot of clarity to me in my own life of what is really important, you know, what what's the big impact or the big influence on my own finances? Right, right. So, you know, because this is why we're talking about this, I'm going to throw you right, I'm going to throw this out there right at you right out of the gates. So tell us, if there's one, you know, hard financial decision in life that you have had to live through or that you went through that helped you along this, you know, helps you decide your niche or helped you decide you're going to be a financial planner and you're going to do this to help people. What was your biggie? Oh, you know, it's funny. So if I look back on, and this is going to sound terrible and speaking of getting into the weeds and opening up, it's funny, my biggest financial, I guess, story, if we want to call it that, would be that I am divorced. And uh, not only divorced, I also, if you want to call it common law divorced. So hopefully my exes are <laughs> listening to these episodes, you know, but for me, I was such a saver. And for me, I was like, I cannot be in debt. So what would happen is that I tend to get into a relationship and I'm like, Oh, you have a student loan. Oh, you have a car loan. Oh, you have balances on your credit card. We can't have that. And of course, we're going to be together long term. I'm going to work three jobs and I'm going to pay these all off. And I did. So great. Leaving the relationship debt free, except for that all of my money is into these things. But what it really allowed me to do was later on realize, okay, if I'm working hard, it needs to be for me and things that I'm passionate about. Not that my husband doesn't matter, he matters very much. But what I realized in my current marriage is that we're on the same page financially. And man, what a difference that makes. And so because we're on the same page financially, my values, what's important to me, what I spend my money on is also important to him. So it makes it very easy. You know, he doesn't have a ton of credit card debt. If I'm working extra hours, I feel pressure to put it on because we've had conversations about this. You know, if we're, if we have major purchases to make, we're having the conversation 
beforehand and you know things like I love to travel and so does he. So if I'm putting in extra hours and it's for travel, I'm absolutely on board to do that and so is he. And so I would say, you know, biggest biggest blunders were some of the relationships maybe that I got into and I mean, not their fault either. It's not like they were like, "Hey Megan, you know, let's let's get together and maybe you could work some extra jobs, pay off some of my debt." No, <laughs> that wasn't the case. It was me panicking having my own, you know, problem with debt. And now I've also changed my perspective on debt and the kinds of debt and how to pay down debt. But it definitely weighed very heavy on me as a young person. And yeah, I went all in with jumped right in with both feet there with relationships. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. Actually, I just learned something that's so similar about us. And we've known each other for quite a while. But is uh, my daughters always say, Mom, you're a workaholic. Megan, you're a workaholic if you were working (laughs) three jobs, because I there's been times in my in my life that I've been working three jobs. Often, it's because one of those three jobs I love you know, but, and now I'm not working. I mean, I work for myself, so I work a lot, but, but yeah, it's funny. I, I didn't know that you were a workaholic as well. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> oh, we're going to put that out there too. Eh? <laughs> well, I mean, yes. hey, if, I, if I have to put my workaholic yeah. shame out there, I mean, you know, and, and my kid, my daughter says, you know, says that about me. I mean, she's an adult now, so I don't think it should matter. And mm-hmm. she's had a good life. So I'm not sure that that can be a complaint of hers, but, right. but it's, it is true. I mean, I, over the years, I've loved a lot of things that I've done and I've put my heart and soul into it. Yeah, me too. And I think though, we're of the similar mindset too of like work hard, play hard in mm-hmm. that we both, you know, we're working for a reason now. I think that's maybe the big difference too, is that, as you said, a lot of those jobs, I just really enjoy and have a huge passion for. So they don't feel as much like work. And even the jobs that I have had, they're now with a purpose where I'm like, okay, I'm going to work this extra job so that I get X. Lots of times right. that's a trip, but <laughs> whatever it may be, I've got a purpose behind that now. Right, right. Okay, good. Yeah. And what about you, Jody? I mean, I think I'm throwing it all out there. So if you're looking backwards, what would you say financial mistake or or even financial influence that's kind of brought you to where you are now with your perspective on money? Oh, yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, I don't think we're, you're going to have to hear about this over episode of because my list is rarely long. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because I kind of have this line in the sand, which is kind of crazy. And it's like prior to being diagnosed with ADHD and post because like those are two different financial lives completely. Mm-hmm. And it's not because, you know, I've turned into a different person. It's because I've learned I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned how to manage things, but probably I've learned some of my mental wellness triggers. And so, okay, so I'll give you one. And I actually didn't repeat this to the same degree in the last 12 months, but I didn't follow my rule of thumb. So I'll prior to diagnosis, I was, and I've, I've been divorced as well. So, you know, that was part of my financial, not great life. I have been remarried mm-hmm. for, for 15 years. So we'll do the pre first, and this isn't the worst story. So I'll just, I'm not putting it all out on episode <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> one, but I'll tell you. So when I was pregnant with my youngest daughter, I, in a 12 month period, bought four brand new vehicles, which, you know, if you can afford that, great. The issue is 
I actually traded in each vehicle for the next vehicle. So you can imagine in a 12-month period of time how much negative equity I rolled and rolled and rolled. And it was a time where I was pregnant. I was going through a divorce financially, you know, some ha- we were having issues. Well, I wasn't quite going through a divorce, to be honest with you, but we were headed down that road either way. And my ex was not good with money. And so just like it was almost like this thing I was doing, like I needed that excitement. I needed that dopamine hit. But yeah, like four new brand new vehicles financed and rolled equity in 12 months. And like, as an example, one of them was like kind of a, so I don't know what I was thinking. And, but when I was about six months pregnant, I bought a Jeep, like a two door Jeep. And I already (laughs) had, we already had two kids. Uh, My ex-husband had a son. I, we had our daughter and we were, so there's only two seats in the back of a two-door Jeep. So I don't know what, that was the was a really dumb brainer. So I actually had to, so that was actually the last roll of the of the four. I had to ch- trade in my Jeep, so a car seat, because you can't drive around with the roof down when you got a brand new baby because they smother, you know, there's this thing that- Wasn't that the car salesman's it. responsibility to tell you though? <sighs> she must see me coming to tell you <laughs> yeah. the truth, right? Like, wow. Um. And- I think I'm pretty sure when I went to buy the Jeep, I had the two kids with me. Like, and yeah. So (laughs) since then, once, you know, I figured out that this is like an exciting thing for me. I do like vehicles. Like we, we love our vehicles. We pay them off very, very quickly if we Mm -hmm. finance them and we keep them forever. Like my second Jeep that I had, I actually put 350,000 kilometers on it before we finally sold it and still made some money. And we had it for almost 10 years. So The lesson I learned from that or the thing I discovered about myself is when I buy a vehicle, I have to buy exactly what I love, Mm. even if it costs a little more money, because if I buy exactly what I want, exactly what I love, I'll keep it forever. I'll be happy to have it. I'll drive it forever. You know, I had a Mustang and my choices are never practical. They haven't been over the years, to be honest with you. So I've repeated this kind of this mistake in a different way, but still didn't learn my lesson. So last year when I sold my Jeep, I needed to buy a new vehicle. So I thought I would be practical Jody, who was going to buy an SUV, nice one, you know, so I looked around, but I didn't want to spend $60,000 because I'm also cheap. So I went and looked and tried, drive, drove everything. I'm not a minivan. I've never had a minivan. I'm not an SUV person. I'm a four by four truck, standard Jeep. That's the type of person, Mustang. Those are, those are my types of things, but I'm Mm going to go buy this nice luxury SUV. So I go and buy, it was 0.99% interest. So this was part of my logic financed over. So basically, you know, financed, but still, and I needed the new vehicle. So it wasn't that this was, you know, I had almost 400, well, 350,000 kilometers on the one I was driving. So I need a new vehicle. So I go and buy it. I find this SUV, this nice Mitsubishi that I love, high end, got everything. And I had it for less than three months. And I'm like, I don't want this vehicle. I need a standard because I'll tell, we'll talk about this in the future, but when you have ADHD, driving a standard is actually safer for the world. So I, I hated that I, in the wintertime that I didn't have a standard. I'd always had a standard vehicle, you know, always been shifter. And I'm just not a grocery getter type of person. So luckily, we we didn't have negative equity. We had this low interest rate. You know, we had we actually had equity. So I was nice and actually sold it to my sister. And we didn't lose any money. So it wasn't bad. But mm-hmm. but and so then I went and bought the vehicle I should have bought in the first place, which was a standard and four by four, all those things that I should have had. So luckily the financial hit wasn't the same, 
right? Because, you know, used vehicles actually went up. So that was actually a benefit. But it was that repeated the same mistake that, you know, you got to buy what you love. And if you mm-hmm. don't, if, if I don't, then then it doesn't matter. And so being cheap, trying to cheap out or trying to be something that I thought maybe older, almost in my late forties, Jody might now be that. Per- I'm not, I'm just not. So that was, you know, there's a before and after, but that's a habit. I still have to consciously be like, Ugh, that's, you can't be cheap for the wrong reasons. You've got to buy what you love and keep it forever. And that's my model of how I, how we run our finances. Yeah. And I love that because I know we don't necessarily have someone advising it. Like, well, I still do get a lot of advice from from financial planners. So I shouldn't say that I don't have people advising me, but I feel like probably you came to a lot of that on your own. Like I know with myself, I'm coming to a lot of my financial realizations on my own. So for you to come to that, you know, clearly took some time and some realization of here's something that's really important to me. Here's where, you know, I need to make some adjustments and give yourself a rule to live by. And I think that's so important for clients as well. It's not something easy to do without guidance. I think both of us have a passion for behavioral finance and Mm -hmm. have been learning and it's such a big field. There's so much to learn, but you know, every day I feel like I'm learning more and more and I'm able to then reflect on my own and I make some changes. But I think that's such a huge part, you know, what you're speaking to for so many people out there is to just realize here's my pitfalls and what am I going to do about it and create some rules for themselves that might seem in the moment like, oh, but this can't be a good financial decision. I'm spending more money. That's wrong, Mm -hmm. right? And spending more money is not always wrong and and commonly not wrong, period. No, yeah, yeah. And that's a really great point, Megan. Like in episodes, because our firm is all about having a niche and serving clients that maybe are not typical, you know, so looking at them through a different lens, that's the parallax, as you mentioned, but you know, and in episodes, we're going to talk about the behavior, a lot about money mindset and behavior, because we do both are very passionate about that. And, you know, for me, because I'm not a doctor, I'm not a counselor, but I actually live with ADHD and anxiety. So I can speak to it, I can understand it. When clients come to me, I'm like, I know what's going on right there, right? Because I deal with it. And we're going to talk about those things in later issues. And we're going to talk about how financial wellness or mental wellness affects, you know, your mindset and some decision making. And if you can catch that, you know, we can help. But also, you know, and that's part of my niche. And for you, you have a different niche. So like, let's because we're going to also talk about that in episode. So tell us a little bit about your unique niche that's that's different. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out a name for it. So if anybody can tell me in one word what what exactly this is, that would be amazing. Please write in. But for now, I have to explain it because it's it's a little bigger for me than one word. And really what it's about is working with people who want to live now, but also want to live in retirement. So who aren't on those extreme ends, I guess, of where, you know what, I'm dying tomorrow. I'm going to spend it all today everything I've got, whatever, you know, here it goes and blowing it all up. Or the people who are like, I'm going to save every single dime I have. And I'm basically going to wait to live until I retire. And so I'm really looking to work with those people who I guess want to have it all. They, they want to have it both. They want to live now and they want to live in retirement. They want a lifestyle that they've designed. That's just going to carry throughout and be able to identify their passions, you know, whether that's traveling, 
health and wellness, starting a business, whatever it may be, but you know, working with them to dig deep into that and figure out how can we make that a focus now? How can we make that a focus in retirement and you know, just balance our finances throughout so that it is possible. And I truly believe it is possible for anyone to to have that joy and that experience. And sometimes it's really about digging deep into those values. I find lots of times what's happening is people think they can't afford to, or well, it's not possible to live now, or if I do live now, I'm I can't in retirement. One of my my new favorite philosophies that I just heard this saying, I don't know, within the last year, and it's become my new thing, is that you only die once, you live every day. And so really just embracing that of, I want people to live every day. And that's now all the way until, you know, 90, 100, who knows, by the time we get there, maybe it's 150 with medical advances. So, you know, but really embracing that philosophy and working with those people who, you know, have the same values that I do in life. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I know, you know, that is, that's again, a market that I feel like is underserved because you kind of have this school of thought when you go to get financial advice, all they're going to tell you is you need to save more for retirement and you need to be frugal until retirement and you need to pay off your house as fast as possible. And yeah, that there, that is good advice for some people, but within parallax to your point, like one of our things is there has to be balance, right? Like I can't predict how long you're going to live. So why don't you live a bit now? And, and I think, you know what, it's funny you mentioned that because I love that that's your niche. And even in my clients, that's one of the things that often makes them cry. And when, when I say, cause I always say to my clients, you didn't get into this in 12 mm-hmm. months. How do you think you're going to get out? Like we can't stop your life to try to get you out of debt in the next, you know, 10 minutes because people with ADHD (laughs) want everything to happen now, but we can't stop that. You can't stop living. So everything I do is also like, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and we're going to actually live a little bit while we're doing it because the success rate of that is so Mm -hmm. great, right? But again, you know, we all know those stories of the person who was frugal and saved and never did anything and retired early, which again, early retirement is something we're going to talk mm-hmm. a lot about because I have a different opinion about that, but retired early and then died. Yeah. That's the saddest story you could ever it's tell. Awful. Because first of all, if you're trying to retire early, you don't love your career for starters. So that's sad to me because I love what I do. The second part of that that's really sad though is like, what happened to life? Like 60 years of just, oh, so that better not ever be one of my clients or I may have done something wrong. Yeah, 100%. And I think too, it's, it's you know, you're bringing up death and dying and those types of things too. And and I think that's probably a little bit of a niche for both, without being a niche, but I think that we both are very familiar with and have had a lot happen in our life where we've had some major events, whether that be our divorces, death, you know, career changes, pursuing our dreams, these kinds of things, they're all really tough things. And they have a huge impact financially. And I think we're both very experienced and love helping people through that, right? You know, being that person that Mm -hmm. to talk to through it and, and work through your finances with it and be able to, you know, provide that comfort and, uh, and share our own personal experiences to make it a little easier. None of those situations are easy, but to make it a little bit easier because we've been there ourselves and, and we've had to navigate it ourselves. 
Yeah. So I'll ask you, and then if you have one follow-up question for me before we wrap up this episode, but my uh, question is, so, you know, I believe, so I'm cheap. I'm going to say it. I don't care if people don't like the word. Everyone says it's frugal. (laughs) No, I'm actually cheap. I spend money on things that I love and I'm really cheap on things that I have no value. So, (laughs) and I know you're cheap as well, whatever, whatever word you use. So, but I think it's really important for people to have things they love and, and actually spend, like I said, cars is one of my things or vehicles, things that move fast, motorcycles, whatever. What, give me one or two, like if you're going to splurge and spend money on things that maybe they, they as the people out there who give us all the financial advice that you shouldn't spend money on, or that you should, you know, you shouldn't splurge on. What are your splurges that are just unique to you? One of the things that I value absolutely most in life is experiences. So for me, a hundred percent, my splurge every time, I mean, travel, my travel budget's through the roof, but it's because like you said, I'm cheap on everything else. So when it comes to a trip, like I will figure out a way to do that trip. And the other part would just be, you know, general experiences. So whether it's, you know, going whitewater rafting, it's going on, you know, we did this really cool wolf walk photography type thing where, you know, my husband and I and my parents, you know, it was pretty crazy expensive, but you know what? It was a hundred percent worth it or a helicopter tour or when we're on vacation and there's those excursions or those things that sometimes you're like, Ooh, that's a pretty big bill. And I'm like, you know what? We're on vacation. So I very much have that, (laughs) which I know a lot of planners would be like, Oh, that's the wrong attitude. My attitude hundred percent is the we're on vacation. And, uh, I'll either have figured it out prior or I will save and cut out things when I get home to make sure that, you know, I'm not tossing it all on credit cards and accumulating Mm -hmm. a a bunch of interest on it by any means, but it is definitely where I will absolutely spend. That is so awesome because we are completely night. So I also love to travel. We travel a lot and I am the cheapest traveler you have ever met. So I do, there are like when I don't, my vacations aren't ruined because I'm cheap. When we fly somewhere, often we're flying the cheap airline. And so you have to shove everything you own in your backpack as your personal item, because I don't want to pay for carry on. And I also don't want to get on a more expensive flight. I've gotten a little more, little looser with that as I've gotten older and like upgraded to Air Canada from like, the, yeah, but yeah, so it's funny because we both value travel, but it looks completely different because travel is on my list, but it doesn't make the top two. So I should clarify though, Jody. it's funny. You say cheap and I'm like, oh, but that is me with the airline. And I should mention that uh, my husband, he thinks it's so embarrassing. I pack along like a box of protein bars or like a bag of chocolate almonds. I'm like, <laughs> so we're not, I. we're not eating three meals a day here. Like food, <laughs> food is not the most important thing. I'm like, oh, and we're going to shop around and like find the $2 food truck stand for food. It's like the actual excursion of, oh yeah, we can go on the helicopter ride. Oh, eat? Well, you know, do we need to do that today? Because we want to go on that helicopter ride tomorrow. So I That's guess hilarious. my cheapness does kind of go through in my travel too. That's awesome. I'll just tell you one quick story. So, I mean, yeah. depending on when people are listening to this, but right now it's hot and we're having fires in our area, right? There's still quite a ways away, but I've never really thought too deep about like, if I had to go, what would I take? So we just kind of did this in our house and literally, you know, there, I was very 
very, very confident on what I would take. I have one box of like my children's baby stuff, pictures, all that stuff. And I have a box of my wedding stuff with my wedding dress and some knickknacks, cards that people have given me over the years. So two kind of tubs. And then there's a tub upstairs in my room where I keep my shoes just sitting Mm -hmm. there. And everyone's like, what? And I'm like, that's the only other tub. If we have to go pull all the shoes off the shelf and throw them in this tub because they have to go. And <laughs> anybody who knows me will think that, will, will know that and think it's funny. And it's not because all my shoes are like super high end. It's just because that is my other splurge, like things that move fast and shoes. I love shoes. And so I would be so sad if I had to start my shoe collection over again. So they're like, you're not going to take like ornaments. And I'm like, no, we're taking, you know, our vehicles if we can. And we're taking momentums for from when our children were little. So they had something and we're taking my shoes. And, my, shoes. and I said to my <laughs> husband, well, what are you taking? And he's like, I don't know. I'm probably having to take your shoes too. Yeah. <laughs> right? You're such a good husband. Yes, you yes. are. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm going to guess then, Jody. your number one is cars, your number two is shoes, and then travel falls number yeah. three or lower. Nope. Number three. So yeah. So travel experiences, like things with my family, my girls and you know, we, you know, so that, that is definitely my order stuff. I'm pretty, I'm a minimalist a bit in the rest of my life. So the other stuff, but yeah, things that go fast. So realistically, we should take our garage, my shoes, and we would be good. (laughs) Cause my garage for my husband, he's got all his tools and stuff, right? So if we could actually just pick up our garage and put my shoes in them, that's all we would need to do. We're fine. Yeah. The <laughs> rest is it. replaceable. I mean, other than our, our humans. Oh, yes. and our little, our fur humans, I guess. Yes. They have to go too, but. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that would be what I would do. All right. So we're going to end this episode because we're going to do our crazy economy. And so one of the things that we're going to do at the end of every episode is take either a topic or something that's in the news or something out there in our crazy economy that people are always like, oh, you know, I heard this or, you know, and I think this week, the one thing, and this is going to be a reoccurring theme on our show, but the one thing that in our crazy economy that I'm going to say my tip of the week is don't believe anything anybody tells you about personal finance unless unless they are a specialist and they are your specialist and they they work for you because nobody is actually giving you the truth. If you look at somebody's finances, it's probably not what it seems like, oh, they got a beautiful house and beautiful car and they're traveling and, you know, they've got beautiful, perfect children. And we know that's not true. And Mm -hmm. I can tell you that, to be honest, a lot of those people are not happy and they've got a lot of shame because they know it's not true. But we spend so much time looking across the fence being like, oh, they have everything and I'm such a screw up because I don't have all of that. And my biggest piece of advice is, Everybody needs customized advice. Blanket advice doesn't work. So whatever they're doing, even if it's all true, even if they're like super uber wealthy, it probably won't work for you because what's important to them, just like what's important to us, isn't the same. So, but yeah, there's so much crap out there. There's so much bullshit out there. I'll just be frank. And it makes me really mad that if I Google like how to handle how to pay down my debt, there's 500 different opinions about it. And most of it, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like Switzerland. I'm like, oh yeah, that's true. But you know, I can see the other side of it. And I think there needs to be more Switzerland out there. And I think there needs to be more like either when it comes to money and finance, if you're not going to tell the truth, then don't tell anything. Like 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's my advice. Like, if you don't want to say, like, crap, we suck, we're in debt, and we're trying to fix that, then don't say anything. Because if your intent is to try to make somebody else feel like, feel worse, how is that helping any of us? So that's my little soapbox rant is don't believe anything and l- like research it. F- find some advice. Yes. Yeah. Find some actual advice. I love that. Like, come see us. And the biggest thing too, Jody, because that just resonates so much with me is, I don't know, I guess if my friends, family, clients could pick like a favorite saying for me or something I say all the time to that point, it's probably, it depends. And so literally like they'll come across this article or somebody's given them a rule of thumb around finances. And so they're coming to me to double check and I'm always, it depends. And then I can see their eyes just go like, oh man, here she goes into her spiel about (laughs) what it all depends on. And now she's going to ask me a bunch of questions about what do I want to accomplish and all these things. And it's like, well, yeah, but that is to me, the answer to everything in finance is it depends on your specific situation. Yeah, that that actually should be a big sign above our heads because both of us, like someone asked me for blank advice, it depends. So that that's a good way to end yeah. it. Uh, I love that. <laughs> love it. And so, yeah, we'll chat soon. Awesome. Bye. Thanks for listening to Smarter, Faster, Crazier. Subscribe, visit us on social or our website at parallaxplanning.ca. Oh,